You've likely heard of autonomous vehicles in the news when it comes to a lot of firsts. But how has AV technology improved in the last couple of years when it comes to the evolution of the driver's role in the vehicle, safety, and future adoption by other carriers? Welcome into another episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. I am your host, Blythe Brumley, covering how your favorite things and people get from point A to point B. And in this episode, I'm bringing you a panel I hosted in January at Manifest the Future of Logistics. The talk explored the reality of autonomous trucking with some of the best leaders in the AV space, which include CEO and co-founder Don Burnett of Kodiak Robotics, COO and co-founder Sean Kerrigan of Plus, and Chief Business Officer Mike Reed of Embark Trucks. These are just a few of the leaders in this space, so if you're looking for what the landscape is today and what it will look like tomorrow, we've got you covered. Let's dive in. I am the moderator, Blythe Brumley, with Digital Dispatch and host of Cyberly over on Freight Waves. And today we are joined by three fantastic insiders. Can you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike Reed, the Chief Business Officer at Embark. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Kerrigan, uh, CEO and co-founder for PLUS. We're a Class A autonomous uh, technology developer uh, based in Cupertino, California. Uh, and we now have global operations across US, Europe, and China. Hello, everyone. I'm Don Burnett. I am the CEO and founder of Kodiak Robotics. We are a full-stack, uh, level four self-driving um, truck developer. We're based out of uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. We also have testing and operations facility based in Dallas, Texas. So, so Don, I'll actually start with you first. So, w w let's talk about the state of the industry. Where are we at current technology-wise? Can you expand on that? Sure. So what I think most people don't realize is that the technology at this point is actually quite far along. Um, both cars and trucks um, have been in development for well over a decade now. And at Kodiak, at least, on the long-haul trucking side, we've reached the point where our trucks can drive hundreds of miles at a time under real-world conditions, uh, carrying you know, commercial freight without having the safety driver mm -hmm touch the system, take over, or interact with the vehicles in any way. So the trucks are really able to handle just about everything that the road throws at us. They can do it day and night. They can do it in inclement weather. And so the sophistication of these systems is actually quite high, better than most people expect. And really, what's left is on the validation side. So what we call building up the safety case, ensuring you have the proper redundancies, and um, uh, you know, pr providing the statistical analysis to show that your system is as good as a human driver. What, what, Mike or Sean, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, just about, I, I would agree um, that I think the technology has really come a long way in past years. And so we look at it as sort of, um, you know, as you move beyond just being able to have the truck drive down the road safely, it's really about how do you handle all the long tail of cases that happen out there? Because at the end of the day, we see autonomous trucking as a, as a big data problem. Uh, because this is really about building an autonomous system that, for lack of general intelligence, is in, instead of is managing that long tail through basically an exhaustive set of scenarios that you've captured and can simulate, and now you can prove that the vehicle, vehicle can handle safely. Uh, and so we see that as kind of the, the current stage, is being able to demonstrate and collect that, that long tail set of events. Uh, and you see that then through the types of demonstration projects that are going on. So we did, um, we did our first driverless demo back in 2018. We did uh, another highway uh, driverless demonstration project last year. 
Um, but what we think is particularly important is getting the technology out there and getting billions of miles of experience under the belt of it to make sure that you've really captured that long tail of exhaustive scenarios and prove that it's really safe. Uh, and so that's why towards that end, we actually released our first product last year called PlusDrive, uh, where we took that level four technology and packaged it up in sort of a governed, constrained operating environment for highways only uh, to enable a high degree of, of automation for trucks with drivers still in them today. And so we think that's kind of where the state of the market is at, is it's all about now figuring out how do you address that long tail? How do you prove that you're actually truly safer than a human driver? What does that rollout look like for, for Embark? Yeah, uh, I can comment a little bit on the technology side and also on the commercial side. So at Embark, we identified uh, 16 capabilities that a self-driving truck needs to be able to do to safely uh, deploy. And to date, we've shown 11 of those 16 capabilities. So these are things um, that show pretty sophisticated driving, doing things like stop and go traffic, driving at night, driving in construction. And really the, the path forward on the technology side is both solving for the remaining capabilities as well as, uh, as Sean and Don have, have mentioned, improving the reliability of the entire stack. And so some of those long tail scenarios that are remaining are things like dealing with emergency vehicles or uh, dealing with evasive maneuvers or things of that nature. And then on the commercial side, Embark's go-to-market has us uh, partner with fleets and has them take ownership and operate the technology in the end state. And so we think that there's a whole bunch of work to be done with them as well as with other important stakeholders to properly make the transition from uh, a state where there are drivers in the truck to one where there aren't. And uh, Embark thinks that the rollout first happens in the Sun Belt, and we're targeting 2024 for that. And uh, we'll see the technology rollout in the lower 48 in the years following. Now, we, we've talked about technology a little bit, but what about the aspect of trust, building that trust, not only within the companies that you operate, but within the general public? John, how are, how are you guys managing the, the trust aspect of AV? That, that's a great question. So I think it really comes back to, to two things. Um, so, so one is engagement um, with, with relevant stakeholders across uh, public and, and government and industry, right? Uh, and then second is really showing that the technology is really truly safer than human drivers. So on that first one, you know, we're involved in a number of, of uh, government industry associations, associations like PAVE, the, the Partners for Automated Vehicle Education. Um, and, and the goal there is really to help educate the public on how does this technology work and what sort of benefits is it going to bring. Um, and then on the, the second part of how do you get out there and really prove the technology is safer than human drivers and give people that exposure to the technology. Um, so we see that through both the PlusDrive product that we released last year and now shipping to customers. Uh, so customers can have their drivers actually drive the trucks and experience what the current state of technology is. Um, and we're also just trying to get broader exposure. So actually here, in addition to the truck that we have in the great lineup of trucks back here, uh, we also have a truck that's taking people out uh, where they can go for a ride or actually drive the truck if they have a CDL and experience the technology themselves. Oh, so, so from the aspect of trust, how are you guys, Don and Mike, how are you guys managing the trust aspect of, of this AV rollout? Yeah, so um, echo what a lot of uh, what Sean said. Think that it boils down to two things. Um, trust comes from people understanding how the technology will work. Uh, and then knowing that it's safe both in the transition to commercialization, but also now as it's being tested. And so the way that Embark 
sort of systematically works towards building trust with stakeholders is through what we call our partner development program, which has us work with some of the leading shippers and fleets in the country. On the shipper side, folks like AB InBev and HP, and on the fleet side, fleet, uh, fleets like DHL, Knight Swift, and Werner, where we really give them firsthand exposure to how the technology works through demos and presentations, and then spend a lot of time both uh, on the strategy as well as operational levels, really figuring out on a company-by-company -company basis what the transition to self-driving means to them. Would you like to come? Yeah, I think I largely agree with what, what has been said so far. The, the thing I would add is that there's, there's different um, audiences when it comes to trust, right? You're building trust with your partners, you're building trust within the industry, um, as, as folks have, have already mentioned. I think it's a re really important to also think about the public. Uh, the, the public has to really trust the, the folks who are working on this technology. I think one of the best ways to reach the general public, folks who can't come and get demo rides and, and experience the truck firsthand, is, is through the power of the internet and, and web and videos. And so last year, Kodiak um, posted thousands of miles of raw, uncut footage of what it looks like for our trucks to just drive down the road. It's actually very boring to watch the truck just go down the road uh, for, for hours and hours at a time. But that, I think that kind of exposure is what people allows the general public to see, hey, this is actually quite boring. These trucks do r really reasonable and rational things on the road, and, and they're actually quite safe. So it sounds like education is, is a big or is playing a big role at, at each of your companies. What about working and, and partnering and educating on the fleet side of things? How are you working with different fleets? Michael, I'll start with you. Yeah. So maybe just double clicking on some of the work that we're doing through um, this partner development program. So for Embark, the work with fleets is critical. We view them as being the end customers of our technology. And uh, really the, the work that we do with them is identifying ahead of them taking ownership of self-driving trucks, what the friction points will be in them uh, operating these vehicles. So some of the questions that uh, we're working on with the different carriers are things like, what do dispatch operations look like around a self-driving vehicle? Or uh, what do maintenance schedules look like? Or what is the back-end IT infrastructure uh, supposed, to, supposed to interface with? And, so there's a whole bunch of really important operational questions and, and the partner development program is really our way to systematically help prepare fleets for the transition to self-driving before the software becomes available for commercial use. A quick quick follow-up. Do, do you have any, I guess, sort of use cases of, of how you're working with these fleets on, on developing those different... Because I, I would have never thought of that as far as like working with how do you manage the IT, how do you manage the maintenance. Do, do you have any uh, cases that you can speak to? Yeah, those are uh, really the way to think about the work that we're doing is identifying with the fleets what the uh, really big important operational questions are such that um, they have a playbook or uh, a way to address those leading into, um, leading into the transition to self-driving. So, so Sean, are, are you guys working with fleets in a similar fashion? Any changes, any differences that you would like to see? Yeah, so, so we typically work with fleets in sort of uh, two, two modes. So, so the, the first mode is, is for fleets that want to experience our level four R&D vehicles, right? The vehicles that are they're equipped with our own safety drivers uh, with which we can haul freight for that, that particular uh, shipper or carrier and help them understand what's the state of the technology, receive reports and data on how the system is performing to give them insight um, you know, just how do, how do these systems work? Where are they at? How is this going to affect their operations? 
Then the second way we work with fleets, and we find actually a lot more engagement now, is now that we've started shipping our first autonomous product, this Plus Drive product. Um, so working with the fleets in terms of how do, how do they train the drivers to interact with the system, right? How do you work with these types of highly automated systems? Uh, and then also, how do you provide the things that you just described, like, like maintenance and support and all the practical things that go with rolling out the technology? Uh, and so that goes to, to our approach as a company is we believe very much uh, that this is going to be a progressive rollout, right? Starting with high, highly automated vehicles with drivers still in them with our Plus Drive product. Uh, and that will help companies adapt to the types of new skills you need to develop around maintenance, operations, and, and other considerations. And then evolving from there and progressively moving towards fully automated driverless trucks. A quick, quick follow-up. Is there what difference in maintenance needs to be applied for autonomous vehicles just compared to normal semi trucks? So that's a great question. So, so there are some new new types of equipment on the vehicle, right? The, these vehicles are equipped with with you know much more sort of compute capabilities, new types of sensors, right? You have lidar, you have have more cameras, things of that nature, right? And so there, there's just um, there's more equipment that you need to be cognizant of in terms of maintenance uh, of those sensors to make sure they're all performing at sort of peak levels. Oh, wow. I, I wouldn't have even thought about that. Don, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, yeah. I'd like, to, I'd like to add to that. I think um, the Kodiak has been working with, uh, with partners, shippers, carriers, fleets since 2019. And uh, you bring up maintenance. I think maintenance is one of the often overlooked um, aspects of development of self-driving in, in our industry. Uh, but it's becoming a lot more mainstream. When you talk to the industry, uh, most most fleet operators they don't understand the technology super well, but what they do understand is maintenance schedules mm -hmm. and efficiencies and keeping the trucks rolling. You'll you'll always hear people talk about that, and I think that really has given us a lot of motivation to build our system in a way that can exist within the current paradigm of maintenance. And one of the things that we're doing in that vein is uh, developing our sensor suite specifically so that it can be easily maintained in the field. You can imagine like lead operator says, what do we do if one of the cameras is faulty, you know, thousand miles into the, or, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of miles into the truck's lifetime, who, re who repairs that? How do they repair that? Is it one of my technicians? Is it one of your technicians? How long does my truck need to be down in order to repair a simple sensor? And so we're addressing that by making everything as modular as possible. We want to put all the sensors into a pre-calibrated um, compartment. We, we do this by utilizing the, the mirror um, assemblies at Kodiak. And effectively, we make it so that rather than replacing individual components, you can just swap on an entire sub-assembly that's already pre-calibrated from the factory and can be done very quickly. It can be done as easily as changing a tire. And we think that that really resonates with the industry, and that's the direction that, uh, from a maintenance perspective, to keep the trucks rolling, I think the industry is going to have to move. What, from a, a maintenance perspective, is the skill set the same as, as you know, a typical you know, maintenance department for a trucking company? I think today, if you were to survey the, the companies that are working on this, most would say my, my trained technicians are the ones that are you know, able to install change, modify, et cetera. Um, but that doesn't scale. I don't think it scales for, for anyone. So we have to get to a state as an industry where the existing supply chain of field technicians at these fleets and carriers operations as they exist today, we have to get to a point where 
those folks are able to maintain these vehicles. I don't think it's going to be feasible for, for tens of thousands of, of robot trucks to be out there on the road and to say, oh no, you need a special technician that's gonna you know, modify, modify the system on a, on a given random day in a given random location. Um, so yes, we are designing our system at least so that the existing field technicians are gonna be able to, to do the maintenance. And so we've talked a little bit about the relationship with fleets, but let's transition to the relationship with drivers. How is the driver relationship going to evolve with all this AV technology coming into the space? Michael, start with you. Yeah, so one of the things that got Embark really excited to work on trucks as an application of self-driving technology was we became of the view that uh, the technology would be complementary to drivers in their work today as opposed to uh, displacing them, and there are really a, f a few different drivers to that. The first is if you project out into the future, say five or ten years, the rate at which drivers are coming into the industry won't fill the void created by uh, drivers retiring out of it is, is the first thing to call out. The second is in our conversations with fleets, the driver population is trending towards wanting to doing work that allows them for more home time, which we think pairs really well with the hub-to-hub -hub model that Embark is working on that has the automated truck do the long lengths of haul. And then the third thing is we think that in the limit as self-driving becomes deployed, it reduces the cost of trucking, which increases demand for it. Um, and so think that if you overlay those three things, the sort of driving job as it exists today uh, will continue to exist for uh, as far out as I can think. But that's not to say that there will also be new opportunities created for drivers, be it uh, folks learning to do inspections and re receiving the uh, trucks at the transfer hubs or refocusing from a long haul job to drayage operations maybe, or uh, the maintenance staff learning to maintain automated trucks. And really think this view is supported by um, the DOT did a study a couple of years ago that suggested that the transition to AV would generate uh, over 25,000 new jobs a year uh, in the industry. How is the relationship going to evolve with drivers for your company? Yeah, so uh, drivers is typically a very hot topic, so I want to start with just by saying that, that it's our belief that, that new drivers entering the profession today will be able to retire in the profession at, at the end of their careers. Um, I agree with, with the other comments about you know with the driver shortage and that shortage increasing over time. Um, we think uh, one of the, the big benefits of this technology is actually uh, that with our initial deployment of the Plus Drive product, one of the things we're hoping for is that we can help attract new drivers into the profession and help existing drivers stay in the profession longer. Because by having a highly automated truck with the driver still in it, uh, not only do you improve fuel economy but, economy, but you improve safety and driver comfort. So it's much less tiring when the driver doesn't have to fight the wind conditions all day long, mm -hmm. right? Or it doesn't have as stressful of a situation dealing with stop and go traffic. Uh, and so our hope is that, that the, these initial deployments of, of this highly automated technology will help encourage and retain drivers in the field. And then I think that as this technology continues to, to progress and we get to the point where we have fully driverless level four trucks, um, I agree with other comments about, you know, they'll first be deployed in certain segments, particularly long-haul segments, right? And there will be lots of jobs and a huge opportunity within regional driving and other places. So we see it really as something that, that's helping to address some of the driver shortage, but actually also creating new opportunities. And Don, how about yourself? Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is... Uh... 
I think a lot of the jobs will also transition to remote monitoring. Mm -hmm. So these, these systems will be, will be monitored from a central location, and uh, a lot of the decisions and assistance that will be provided, I think, will be provided by folks who previously were, were driving trucks. And I think that's going to play a large role in, in the evolution of, of the driver uh, role. And, and, and this has already, already really been said, but I just want to reiterate, this is going to be a gradual transition. Mm -hmm. Nothing is going to happen overnight. There's a lot of kind of doomsday scenarios that people talk about, and it's a lot of fun to consider. But the reality is this is going to be a very slow transition. I agree it's going to take decades for this to really, um, to really influence significantly the, the landscape of the job, the job market. What about the training demands of a, of a driver? They, they go through a typical driver school right now. How does AV fit into that training program now? Are there other programs being started, being initiated? Who would like to come? So, so driver training is actually an important part of, of how we're rolling out our plus drive system. I think that you know, in addition to all the, the standard training that truck drivers go through, um, we think that as trained professionals, it's important for them to be trained about how to interact with, with AV systems as well. Uh, and so when it comes to our post-drive system, where it's highly automated on the highway then, um, we, we've, we've developed a training program that all those drivers go through uh, that then certify them for use with, with the system. What about as far as the, the operating models? How are they working in, in present day and how will they be rolling out? Don, I'll start with you. Sure. So the Kodiak is thinking about it really in two phases. Today, we work with fleets and carriers and, and, and our partnership program with trucks in our own fleet that are development vehicles. And um, just as was discussed before, that allows them to get visibility into the technology and the benefits and the operational models. It allows us to learn about the industry and the things that we need to address to make sure that this technology is actually solving real pain points. Because the worst case would be for us to develop technology only to later find out it doesn't actually serve the needs of our customers. As we think about transitioning into the future, into the long term, we, um, we are going to become a technology provider to those fleets to operate on their own, their own vehicles, um, much as was discussed earlier. Um, and we think that that's the right model for, for Kodiak and, and the larger um, industry. Mike, what, what about for you? What does the rollout look like for you guys? Yeah, so uh, one core belief at Embark is that the problem around developing self-driving is one of the more challenging computer science cha problems of the past several decades. And that really led us towards a business model that uh, has us focus as much as possible on that and lean into external stakeholders to be able to uh, commercialize the, the driver that we're developing. And so um, the business model has us uh, sell a truck uh, that has hardware compatible with the Embark driver to fleets as they buy trucks today. And then they operate the truck on a coverage map, so a, a network that we'll have built out and will help monitor around. Uh, and then they charge, or they're charged on a per mile basis for the driverless operation on, the, on that truck. And as I mentioned before, the, the target to start is to roll out through the Sun Belt and then uh, the lower 48 beyond that. What about the rollout for, for you guys over at Plus? What, what does that look like? Yeah, so, so we're a technology developer. So, so our goal is to build out, to develop the, the, uh, these autonomous trucking technology. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, we see one of the, the core problems in this space is really about how do you cover the long tail of all the events of things that can happen out there. This is fundamentally a big data problem of how do you get that experience? So how do you get billions of miles of road experience 
to make sure you've identified all the scenarios you need to address, right? And that you can prove that you've solved those in simulation and in the real world. Um, and so towards that end, we're really focused on, on that technology development program. Um, and we work with our partners in terms of deploying the, this technology. So we're not a fleet operator. Uh, so with the initial deployment of PlusDrive, right, we've worked with partners like, like FAW and Amazon. Right? We've partnered with other OEMs like Aveco in terms of, of, of uh, our overall development program. But our goal is really to work with other large partners uh, to develop and deploy this technology at scale. And so we've talked about sort of building relationships and then the technology side of things. What are, are there any other aspects of the rollout that we haven't mentioned? So we think one, one of the important things is, is doing this in a progressive fashion, right? And involving a lot of, of, of driver training along the way. Um, because I think going back to, to earlier questions around how do you build trust, right? We see this as, as you need to build trust along the way. I think that in order to get government and industry and the public comfortable with the idea of fully driverless trucks rolling down the road without anybody in them, um, I think it's going to take time. And I think it's also going to take having seen the technology work with a driver still behind the wheel for billions of miles, right? You've just got to have that really extensive experience. And you've got to have that progressive rollout, I think, to, to be able to, to prove to everybody that this technology is really, truly safer than human drivers today and something that we should put out on the roads. So, so Don, when we talk about sort of the, the obvious use cases of this technology rolling out, is there anything that's not obvious that more folks should be aware of? Maybe some hidden benefits. Yeah, so, I mean, the obvious, the, the obvious benefit, let's, let's just throw out there, because I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it, is safety. Hmm. Safety is the reason that we're all, we're all working on this. We think we can bring safety benefits Great. to our roadways with this technology, of course. Um, but some other ones are efficiency. So when you think about hours of service limitations today for drivers, uh, autonomous vehicles, presumably, especially ones with no driver in them, will not be subject to, to those restrictions, and therefore we can keep the trucks rolling more or less 24-7. I think that's going to be a real game changer within the industry, especially when you can do it at a reduced cost. But there's also resiliency. These trucks never get distracted. They never call in sick. When you think about the supply chain challenges that we've, we've been facing um, as a society, self-driving really has the opportunity to, to be a, a robust player in that market and, and help to keep keep goods moving um, to the places that they need to get to. Um, and I think that has a lot of uh, long-term benefits and there's a lot of kind of uh, additional externalities that are going to, to benefit as well from that continuous movement of goods and the reliability of those services. But beyond that, we can, we can operate these trucks in such a way to reduce congestion. Um, they, they're never speeding, they're never you know, aggressively lane changing, they're always very smooth, they're always very predictable, and we think that's gonna have a benefit to traffic patterns as well, in addition to the fact that we can schedule and coordinate these trucks so that they don't all bunch up at one time, they don't necessarily go through major um, urban centers during rush hour time, you know, things like that are going to be possible in a way that they just never were before before autonomous. And I think you bring up a great point about optimizing your fleet a little bit better, but one, one point that you guys brought up that I, I didn't think about it from that aspect, but that safety, that's probably the number one issue I think for a lot of fleets. Are there any uh, safety benefits to, I'm sure there are safety, more safety benefits to AV rolling out more frequently? 
Yeah, I, mean, I think there are, there are a lot of very big safety benefits. Um, I mean, this is, was mentioned, this is technology that doesn't get tired, doesn't get distracted, will always follow the rules, right? So I think this is something that can have really big safety benefits, even say in our, in our current deployment with truck drivers still in, right? Providing that level of automation to reduce fatigue and improve safety and so on on the road today. Uh, and then as we go to fully driverless trucks, I think that brings you know, additional safety benefit as you start to, to have just broader exposure of this technology. Um, I also wanted to add, in terms of the, the, the benefits, right, there's the, the, the list right, of, of like, you know, reduction in, in operating costs, improvements in safety, right, reductions in maintenance, reductions in insurance costs. Right? There's these long list of, of benefits that come with this technology. Um, but I think one thing to keep in mind is, is, is also just kind of the transformative impact of all those discrete things in terms of how we think it will cause supply chains to evolve in the next decade or two, right? Because as you tie all that together, that starts to, that with the reduced transit time across the country and so on, right? That also shifts the balance of trade probably with air freight in some cases, right? Because now you can move stuff faster. It enables things like produce to get to market faster, right? And have longer shelf lives. Um, and so I think there's a whole bunch of cascading benefits from this technology. Uh, and I also think when you combine this technology with one of the other big trends that's coming into market now, which is electrification, um, I think that will also have some really interesting impacts because the combination of autonomy and electrification, I think will cause a, a shift from sort of more of a OPEX-focused operating model to more of a CAPEX-focused operating model uh, in some of the transportation segments. Mike, I saw you shaking your head there. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would just amplify what, what Sean mentioned. I think that two sort of maybe less obvious benefits to self-driving trucks are, uh, so 70% of goods travel on a truck, and if you reduce the cost of that transit modality, then ultimately that leads to uh, some, of, some of those savings get passed on through to consumers. And so I think one uh, nice sort of second-order benefit is that cost of goods to consumers will, will go down in time. And then the second is around reducing greenhouse gas emissions and that we think that there's both an opportunity in the operation of diesel trucks today where you can moderate the acceleration and braking behaviors to be more geared towards uh, environmentally friendly behaviors. And then in the hub-to-hub -hub model, this also opens an opportunity to use uh, electric vehicles in the first and final mile and Embark's actually piloting uh, some of this work with HP. And so we're, yeah, we're really excited about leveraging self-driving as a means to um, improve sustainability. I love that you brought that up because, or the last mile versus the, the final mile, because that brings up my next question. Don, what are the, sort of the, I, I know time frame is not, you know, the, the, the word that most companies like to hear around this sort of technology, but what does that look like? Long haul versus last mile, what does that time frame look like? As I said before, the technology is very mature at this, at this point. And there's still a couple uh, fundamental functional safety analysis um, steps to get to a point where we feel comfortable deploying this technology with no driver. And uh, if, you, if you listen to the industry now, there's, there's a real um, coalescence around this 2024 timeframe. I think the next, let's call it couple of years, next several years, that's when the supply chain is going to be there, uh, the maturity of the sensing technology, the platforms working with the OEMs and the braking providers and all those folks come together to build this final package with the right safety metrics. And it gives us time to actually prove out all the statistical analysis that we need to do in order to ensure that this technology is actually as safe as a human. So I would say I think 2024 is, is a really 
um, is a really good goal, and that's the goal that we're, we're marching toward. What about for you guys, Sean? I would, I would echo most of that. I mean, I think the way we see it is that there are a few different things that have to come together before you can deploy this as driverless technology. So one is that the software needs to be ready, which means you have to have covered that long tail set of events I've talked about. You've got to have those billions of miles of experience so you can identify what are all the scenarios of things that could happen out there um, and make sure you solve for those both in simulation and in the real world. Uh, because at the end of the day, the, the software doesn't have general intelligence. It's got to have seen it all, really, to make sure that you can safely handle it all. So that's one. Then two, there needs to be autonomous ready vehicle platforms. So that comes to, to truck OEM platforms with all the tier one components around steering and braking, uh, electric, electrical systems, and so on. Right? Those all need to be ready. Uh, and then the third piece goes to back to the trust and, and regulatory piece. Right, Having, having the, the um, regulatory support to do these types of deployments, and that entails building trust. So we view, um, you know, our focus is, is largely on, on the, the first and the, and the third piece. So in the first piece, right, with our current deployment, right, as we're getting out there, our goal is to make sure that we're at the leading edge of having that software be ready. Um, and then also helping to support the third piece of engagement with the public and industry uh, and help them understand how this technology works and how safe it really is. So it sounds like that that's what the market looks like for you right now and what's mm -hmm. coming down the pipeline. What about for Mike and Don? What, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. Um, in terms of how we think about different lengths of haul that the technology is applied to over time, to start in the first wave of deployment, we're very focused on longer lengths of haul in that hub-to-hub -hub model that I mentioned, call it 600 plus miles. And then we think there's a select few direct-to-distribution center runs that will be addressable through the technology. And the economics behind this are really the way that you save money with self-driving is on the miles that you run driverless. And so the more of those miles you're running, the, least your, the less your cost of, of haul is relative to what it was before. And then on the direct-to-distribution center model, we think that there are some line haul runs where the distribution centers are close enough to the interstate that the cost of mapping those in is minimal, and uh, there's enough density in, in, in the line haul run that um, the economics of, of setting that up makes sense. And we, th we think that those two constraints end up getting relaxed in time. And with that, you'll see uh, maybe shorter lengths of haul addressed and more direct to distribution center uh, runs added to the network. And Don, I'll, I'll let you finalize it. Sure. Uh, I, I largely agree with that. I think the, uh, the hub model is, is the one that most folks are working toward. That's what Kodiak is focused on. And it's absolutely true that the longer the route, the more economical the technology becomes. And uh, what's interesting to me about that is uh, many, many folks have, many players in this space, including Kodiak, have focused first on much smaller paths. We've been driving from Dallas to Houston um, for the last several years. We are now gradually expanding outside of Texas. But what I think the industry has still yet to show is the feasibility of true regular commercial operations on these much broader routes. Think. Dallas to Atlanta, LA to Atlanta, uh, you know, sticking with this Sunbelt uh, theme there. Those type of routes, those are the ones that we actually need to capture in the market. And I think what you're going to see in 2022 and, and soon coming here is uh, demonstrations on these much larger routes that really will show the benefits and, and vision of what self-driving really promises to deliver. And I think that 2022 is going to be an exciting year. 
Well said. Thank you guys so much for your perspective and your insight on this growing industry. I highly encourage each of you to go out to the expo floor and be able to check out the autonomous vehicle zone. It's, it's really cool to see all of the different technology. Gentlemen, thank you again for your time. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. And if you did like it, I would love if you could rate and review the show on Apple or Spotify. It'll take you like two minutes of your time, but it helps a ton for a creator like me to be able to show that review like a badge of honor. And it also helps the show get discovered by others. If you'd like to see more of my work, head on over to digitaldispatch.io. I've got some new content collections under the resources tab for folks who are freight brokers, truckers, carriers, freight agents, and also a best of collection for how to fix your website and how to fix your marketing. It's all completely free. And again, that tab is under resources over on the digitaldispatch.io website. The website also includes some links to our social media accounts along with my products and services in case any of that is of interest to you. Once again, my name is Blythe Bremley and I thank you for sharing your attention with me today. Until next time, have a magical day.